morning, God's Word. And it's exciting what God's doing, isn't it? The wonderful thing about the Christian life is we don't stay where we are, do we? doesn't matter whether we've been a Christian a short time or a long time, God's moving us on. And that's exciting. The title for this morning, when we look at this well-known passage about Abraham sacrificing Isaac, is The Great Test, Abraham Has Grown. The Great Test, Abraham Has Grown. Just a few words by way of introduction before we look at the passage. You know, everything that I believe the Lord's put my heart to share, if it was to all be pulled together under one word, the word would be this, growth. That's not growth about greater growth of numbers in the body here. And it's not growth about growing taller. And it's not growth about growing older. And it's certainly not growth about growing this way. But it's growth about spiritual growth. You see, there's a desire in God's heart that I'm sure we'll all agree with. It doesn't matter whether we've been a Christian five minutes or whether we've been a Christian 55 years. The desire on God's heart is that we grow. That we don't stay where we are. And the danger for us as Christians is that we get stuck. And even worse than that, the danger can be that we actually say, Lord, I can remember a time when. And that when can be all sorts of things. It can be when I felt a greater love for you, when I had more of a heart of compassion for others, when this, when that. But what we're really saying in our hearts is, Lord, I haven't grown. I've become stuck. And God's desire for you and me is that we grow. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. As we look at this well-known passage, I want to look at how we see Abraham had grown. And then I want us to look at two areas that come out of this passage that affect our growth. There's lots of areas that could be considered about growth. But two areas out of this passage that affect our growth. And I want to say right at the front that some of the things that I may share may feel a little challenging, but I want to also say I need this word as well. Just because I'm at the front sharing this word, I'm not exempt from the word. I need this word, and on the way over I said to Christine, I want you to remind me, because I need it. But there's something else about growth, you know, and it's this. Sometimes with growth, there are growing pains. Many of you know that we've got three grandchildren. All of our grandchildren went through a teething process. Now that process was a normal part of their growing. But with that growing came pain, what I would call a growing pain. All of our grandchildren learned to walk, and they can all walk now. And that was part of their growing process. But with that came pain. Sometimes they fell over and hurt themselves. And it's the same in the spiritual life that sometimes, not always, but sometimes, when God says, I want you to move from where you are now to over here, to get us from over here to over here can sometimes involve a growing pain spiritually. And we shy away from that sometimes, don't we? And we say, no, Lord, I don't want to go through that. Abraham didn't do that. But God says, if I'm going to get you from here to here, I'm afraid there may be a growing pain. And it could be a growing pain of learning something new. It could be a growing pain of stepping out in faith when we haven't stepped out in faith. It could be all sorts of growing pains, but growing pains are important if we're going to grow in God. 
So let's turn to Genesis 22. A really well-known passage. I just want to, there's many things that could be shared from this passage, but I just want to share under those three sections how Abraham had grown and how we can see two areas of growth for ourselves. So Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and, as his, son, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived in Beersheba. Let's just pray a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a living word, and that your word can bring change in our lives. And Father, we pray now that by the power of your spirit, you will take your word and minister it to each one of us and accomplish that which you desire in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just read the first three verses together again, because there's something wonderful to see here about Abraham. After these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And God said, Take your son, and I love this bit. God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Isn't that really pressing home the point? God didn't just say, take your son. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. This is a real test, isn't it? 
Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. I love that word so. You see, God's just said something to Abraham, very important. He said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son whom you love, and go and offer him. And the next verse says, so, Abraham rose early. What's important about that so? Change it to because. God spoke to Abraham, and because God had spoken to Abraham, he rose early. Isn't that wonderful? He didn't just rise early. He rose early because God had spoken to him. That's obedience, isn't it? That's obedience, costly obedience. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and went to the place of which God told him. Let's just think a minute about this man Abraham. Bit of a mixture, isn't he? We see if we look back, times of great faith when he left Aaron, fantastic faith. And we see times when he had great victories and we see lots of different things that are wonderful about Abraham. But we also know there were other times, don't we? We know when he didn't show great faith, when there were times when he actually lied about his wife. Twice he lied about his wife, didn't he? And said, this is my sister. And despite the fact that God had reminded him that he was going to have a son and through him all the nations would be blessed. Even so, Abraham compromised the word of God. Aren't we in danger of doing that sometimes? God says, that I want to do this, and we try doing it our way. That's what happened with Abraham. He compromised the word of God. And yet God was still faithful to his word. And we're told that Abraham was 75 when he left Haran. And he was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Now, it doesn't take a clever mathematician to realise that's 25 years. Do you know what that means? It means for 25 years, Abraham was carrying a promise. And the promise was, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have a son. And great nations are going to be blessed through you. For 25 years, Abraham carried that promise. You know, we live in an instant society, don't we? And it affects us as Christians. And God speaks to us and gives us a promise. And you know what our mentality tends to be? God's promised it should happen tomorrow. It should happen next week. It should happen next month. Lord, why haven't you fulfilled your promise? A year later, it's not been fulfilled. God, what are you doing? Ten years later, it's not fulfilled. I've let go of the promise. Tragic. Abraham held on to that promise 25 years and that promise was fulfilled in the birth of Isaac. Now the word of God doesn't make it clear how old Isaac is at this point that we're reading. But I think we can assume he's at least in his late teens because here's a man, Isaac, who did a three-day plus journey, who was able to speak logically to his father and say, Father, where's the burnt offering? Where's the offering? And he was able to carry the wood for the sacrifice on his back. That says to me this is quite an older lad. We don't know his age, but let's assume early teens. Now listen, this is a really important point that shows how Abraham had grown. We've heard it from the front here before. Our most vulnerable time as Christians is not when we're going through difficult times. It's not when we're going through temptation. It's not when we're going through the battle. It's not when we're going through sickness and calling on God. Those aren't our most vulnerable times. Our most vulnerable times is when everything's going well. Because what tends to happen is when everything's going well, we're in effect saying, Lord, I don't need you now. We don't verbalise that. It wouldn't be the right thing to say, would it? 
But in effect, that's what happens. Our prayer life dilutes. Our reading the word dilutes. We don't need to stand on the promises as much because everything's going fine. That's our most vulnerable time. We saw that in David. And here's Abraham. The promise has been fulfilled. And how easy it would have been for Abraham to say, Fantastic God, the promise has been fulfilled. I don't need to hold on to it anymore. In fact, I've got my son now. And if you don't mind, God, it's been a bit of a hard journey over the last 25 years. I still believe in you, but I'm just going to go and do my own thing if that's all right by you. No. How do we know Abraham had grown? Because of his immediate obedience. You see, if Abraham hadn't grown since Isaac was born, there is absolutely no way he could have been obedient to the word of God like that. Isn't that wonderful? Abraham had grown. And God says to you and me, I want you to grow. I want you to grow. So Abraham had grown. Let's have a look at something else about these verses to look at the two points that affect our growth. The same verses again. After these things, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I tell you. Now there's something that's really important we need to see in these verses. God didn't say to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to go and kill your son Isaac. He didn't say that. In Abraham's mind, I've no doubt in Abraham's mind, that's what he was expecting to do. But God didn't actually say, I want you to kill Isaac. What God said was very important because it has an application for you and me. God said, I want you to offer your son as a burnt offering. I want you to offer your son as a burnt offering. What's the application for you and me? We're coming back to Genesis 22. Let's go over to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. And what was happening to Abraham there is pulled out in the New Testament here for our everyday walk with God. And it has an impact on our growth. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And Paul's saying, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The NIV says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So God says, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, it could mean lots of things. It could mean that we don't use our bodies for sinful practices. It could mean that we use our bodies as being available to help others, to witness to others. It could mean lots and lots of things, but I believe this. If we kept peeling back the layers of what that actually means, we'd come to a foundation that says this. Not my will, but his will. That's what it means. Lord, what does it mean for me in my daily walk with you to offer myself as a living sacrifice? And God says it's quite simple. It's not your will, it's my will. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes that's hard. And the times it's hard are the times when we move where we are to a place where we're saying, I am offering myself as a living sacrifice. You see, Abraham did that, didn't he? He said, God, not my will, 
your will. Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, let this cup pass by me. He didn't want to go to the cross. He knew what that would cost. But he also knew the importance that it was the Father's will, not his will. And he said, your will, not my will. And if we are to grow as believers, one of the key issues for us to grow as believers is a daily saying, Lord, not my will, your will. And that's hard sometimes, and I know that. But you see, if we don't go down that route, we're going to stunt our growth. The moment we say no to God, at that point, we stunt our growth until we come to a place of saying yes. You see that with Jonah. I love the story of Jonah. God spoke to Jonah, and instead of Jonah going that way, he went the opposite way, didn't he? But it was marvellous God brought him right back to the same place. So what was the same place? To the place of obedience to what he originally said. God says to us, I'm not going to change my mind. It's very clear in his word. It says in Amos, can two walk together unless they be agreed? If we want to walk with God, we have to agree with God. And if we don't agree with God, we can't walk with God. Now God will still love us. We still belong to him. We're still going to heaven, but it will affect our growth. And God says, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Let's go back to Genesis 22. There's another really, really important area that will affect our growth. And let's go to verse 4. So Abraham's been obedient to God. He's risen early. He's collected the things. He's got the donkeys and everything he needs. And in verse 4 it says this. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. It's only a little verse. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. That tells us something really important. It tells us this. That Abraham got up, prepared everything, and with his two men and with Isaac, he was either on a horse, donkey or whatever he might be, and probably walking. But the point of the matter is, it was a three-day journey. Now, I don't know about you, but I think we wouldn't be reading too much into Scripture if we accept the fact that during those three days, Abraham might be doing a bit of talking, but he's doing a lot of thinking. He's doing a lot of thinking. I don't believe that's reading too much into the Word of God. If Abraham hadn't been doing a lot of thinking over those three days, he wouldn't have been human. Now let's put ourselves in the place of Abraham. And we're on this three-day journey. And God's given us a promise, and the promise has been fulfilled, and the lad's been growing, and our love for the lad's been growing, and the relationship's been developing, and God's spoken to us, and we've been obedient, but now we're thinking. What might we be thinking? Lord, was that really you? Why, Lord? Why have you, asked, why have you fulfilled the promise and asking me to sacrifice Isaac? What will Sarah say? What will Isaac think of me as we get near to the place? What am I going to do? This can't be right, God. There could have been a lot of negative thoughts in Abraham's thinking. But let's move over the other side. You see, there could equally have been a lot of positive thoughts also. You see, Abraham could have been thinking along these lines. He could have been saying, God, you are a wonderful God. I can look back, God, and I can see the victories you accomplished through me. 
I can look back and despite me lying, you restored me and blessed me. I can look back and although I compromised your word, you still fulfilled the promise. Lord, you are a great God. And Abraham could be thinking this, God, I've found this over the last 25 years, that you are faithful to your word. Now the reality is, I believe, that Abraham was thinking positive thoughts. Do you know how we know that? Because if we were to go into Hebrews 11, it makes it very, very clear when it talks about all those people of faith that Abraham believed that God would raise him from the dead. So I believe as Abraham was walking along on that journey that he was actually having very positive thoughts. But here's the issue. Here's the very important issue that we can pull right into our own lives as Christians and it be applicable for us. Abraham had a choice. He could have chosen, I'm going to think the negative thoughts or I'm going to remember and think about your word. He had a choice. No one would have made him one way or the other. But he had a choice. He had a free will. Do you know God's given that free will to you and I? And we have that choice also. You know, I'm sure none of us are surprised, especially those of us who have been Christians for a long while, to know that we're in a battle, aren't we? Ephesians 6 makes it very clear. It says, finally, brethren, put on the full armour of God. And then it tells us why. Why do we need to put on the full armour of God? Because you wrestle not. I love that word, wrestle. When I was a youngster, I used to love watching wrestling. And anyone who's seen wrestling knows it's not just a one-off like that, like a punch. A wrestling is a real contact, isn't it? It's not a one-off. It's a real contact. And in wrestling, when you watch it, sometimes the wrestlers are engaged physically almost for several minutes, aren't they? I love the word wrestle. We're in a spiritual battle and sometimes the enemy wrestles with us. Do you know that? And that wrestling match isn't a one-off second, five seconds, two minutes. Sometimes we know we're in a battle. The word wrestle's wonderful. And we wrestle against principalities and spiritual uh, high places and so on. So we're in a battle. But what about this battle? Well, if we move over to 2 Corinthians, and let's go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because there's something really important that will affect our growth. that links in with Abraham, making the choice of what to think. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 3. And here we're summing out, see another part of the battle that Paul's mentioned in Ephesians. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and every thought captive and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So here's Paul talking about the warfare and he's talking about pulling down strongholds. And then when we read a bit further on, if we look at those verses clearly, pulling down strongholds, arguments, taking every thought captive, what are those verses to do with? They're to do with our mind. Do you know that the enemy, his main point of attack is yours and my mind? Do you know that? 
Yes, he might attack our bodies. Yes, he might do this. Yes, he might do that. But his main focus of attack is our minds. And that's why it is so important and so wonderful to see in Abraham that he made that choice to think positive thoughts. You see, if Satan can get a grip on our minds in that particular area, he's got control over that area. You see, the word says strongholds, pulling down strongholds. What are strongholds in the mind? Let me give this little, little definition of what I believe a stronghold is in the mind. If we find ourselves on a regular basis going down a pattern of thinking that we know is contrary to the word of God and we find difficulty getting out of, that's a stronghold. If we have the occasional thought, Lord, I'm no good, that's not a stronghold. If we have the occasional thought, Lord, you haven't forgiven me, that's not a stronghold. If we have the occasional thought, well, Lord, you'll never use me, that's not a stronghold. But listen, if our natural thinking goes along the lines, I am no good as a Christian. Even though we read in the word of God, that isn't the truth. But our natural thinking goes down that line, that's a stronghold. And God says, I want them pulled down. Here's another stronghold. You haven't forgiven me. Yes, I read in the word that you, if I confess my sins, have forgiven me. But our natural thinking keeps going down that line. I'm not forgiven, I'm not forgiven, I'm not forgiven. That's a stronghold and God says I want it pulled down. Lord, you use everybody else but you'll never use me. Because of this, this, this and this. If that is a natural pattern of our thinking and we know it's contrary to the word of God, that is a stronghold in our mind. And listen, Satan is behind every stronghold. You see, that's why strongholds are so powerful. That's why we find it difficult to break out of strongholds. That's why Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We can't pull down strongholds by natural means. They're pulled down by the word of God and prayer. Hallelujah. And listen, here's the encouraging thing. Because of Calvary, those strongholds can be pulled down. But here's something else that's equally important. If we don't deal with those strongholds in our thinking, our growth will be stunted. You see, when the Israelites went into the promised land that we heard David talking about last week, the first thing they did was Jericho. What happened with Jericho? The walls came down. And God says to you and me this morning, if you want to go on in me, if you want to go on in the Christian life, I want those strongholds pulled down. Are we willing to face that? Are we willing to face those strongholds? It may be we haven't got strongholds, and that's wonderful. As I'm sharing, you will relate if there is a stronghold there. And if there is a stronghold there, God says it can come down, but I want you to be willing for it to come down. And this isn't by way of discouragement, but it's reality. You know, you could come forward for prayer for a stronghold, and that's wonderful, and that's the right thing to do. And I'd love to tell you that someone can lay hands on you and pray for that stronghold to go. It won't go just like that. Do you know how it goes? It goes by the Word of God, which is renewing our mind. Be transformed. Be transformed out of that line of thinking into my way of thinking. How, Lord? with the word of God so I get that pattern of thinking I'm no good I'll take the word of God I'm blessed I'm favoured I'm beloved 
We get that pattern of thinking, I'm not forgiven, so I take the word of God. Lord, you have cleansed me from all sin, 1 John says. Are we willing to deal with the stronghold? You see, if God's going to take us into that promised land, he wants us to go in without the strongholds. And Abraham had grown in that. And I believe there's a challenge there for you and I this morning. Are we willing to face them? One last thing. Let's go back to Genesis 22. And it pulls it right back to the cross. You see, Genesis 22 is a wonderful picture of love and obedience of Abraham loving his son Isaac but being willing to obey God's word. And we see that picture, don't we, in God the Father sending Jesus, his son, whom he loved, and Jesus being willing to obey the word. But there's something towards the end of Genesis 22, which is almost, almost the opposite to when Jesus gave his life. Let's have a look at it. Genesis 22. Verse 13. And this is where the angels told Abraham not to sacrifice his son. And in verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thickets by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. It says there was a ram caught in a thicket. You know, that ram, if you could have spoken to that ram, that ram would have said, I didn't come here willingly. I don't want to be here. I'm caught. I'm trapped. I have no choice in the matter. I'm absolutely caught by these circumstances. Jesus wasn't caught. When Jesus went to the cross, he went willingly. No man made him go. God the Father didn't make him go. Jesus said it was for the joy that was set before me and endured the cross. He went willingly. And do you know this morning, because of the cross of Calvary and that finished work, we can have victory. We can grow. We can see the enemies that have been troubling you and me for years and years and years dealt with. They might not be dealt with overnight. They might not be dealt with over six months even, depending on how long a period it's been. But they can be dealt with because there's victory in the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for...